Welcome to the Equipping You podcast, where our mission is to equip Alliance pastors and leaders to live spiritually healthy lives and lead healthy churches. Equipping You is a ministry of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. For more information on this podcast and other ministries of the Alliance, visit equippingyou.org. Hey, 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 welcome back to Equipping You podcast. This is, I'd ask for that clickety-clickety stuff in the background, but I know Alan won't do it. This is a special episode. We're coming to you today from Colorado Springs. First time we've been able to say this on uh, a version that will come out after the relocation of the national office. Colorado Springs, former home of the National Office of the U.S. Christian Missionary Alliance. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah. So next time everybody hears us, it'll be from Columbus. So now Terry will have a whole new plethora of fun facts. Yes, to, I will. To deliver Hardly to us. Wait. Yes, I will. Except for most of the coming season six, you will still hear Colorado Springs it's because true. that's where we recorded it's most true. of it <laughs> from. So uh, anyway. We're time travelers, really. In spite of yes. the fact that I've been transplanted from Colorado Springs to Columbus. I'm still the CM leader for the Alliance as of a meeting this morning with the president. I am still <laughs> the CM leader for the Alliance. A lot can happen between now and when our fa- yeah. when our followers hear this. The day's not the day's not over. No. Nope. Oh, my goodness gracious. Uh, I'm still Alan and I'm still the director of multiplication. Those things can change as well. So hey, what do you know? Yeah, I'm not leaving till they like they're gonna have to carry me out kicking and screaming. But I'm Caitlin, <laughs> the digital media specialist for the Alliance and equipping you producer. There you go. That's Can't right. wait. Well, I, I don't want to see you drug out kicking and screaming. <laughs> to be honest, but, I it, think people would be too afraid. In all honesty, yeah. So we have a lot of fun on this podcast, but today's topic is a serious one. Uh, we've invited Rock Dilliman to be with us. Rock is a longtime Alliance pastor. Pastor Emeritus of uh, Allegheny Center Alliance Church in uh, Pittsburgh, retired several months ago. And uh, we're talking today about the topic of spiritual integrity. So we've all stood with uh, disbelief and tears in our eyes to see uh, prominent evangelical leaders fall doesn't just happen to prominent leaders. It happens to some of us normal, everyday leaders, too. So we want to avoid that at all costs so that the glory of Christ is able to be seen through his church and through our testimony. And uh, Rock is a great friend. Alan, uh, talk to me about your uh, impressions of Rock. You know, it's funny. He's the first, one of the first... Alliance leaders I was introduced to outside of my local church mm. um, way back, a long, long time ago, early in my ministry, uh, my lead pastor took us to a conference at Allegheny Center Alliance Church, uh, and he wasn't teaching it, but he was, you know, kind of the MC and, and said what the purpose of the meeting is, why we're having this and why it was so important, and he, he, he made a, a dent in my memory back then, and uh, ever since then, I've been thankful for his contributions to the Alliance and uh, insights and his commitment to living in the city of Pittsburgh. Uh, I love the city and uh, has been faithful uh, as an ambassador in and for the city of Pittsburgh his whole, for 
most of his career. Yeah. So grab yourself, this is appropriate, Western Pennsylvania reference, and Arnold Palmer. That mm. is. Wow. Wow. Great touch, Terry. And uh, it'll make you a better golfer if you drink Arnold Palmer's. I, I can work for you. I, can get. <laughs> I don't drink wow. them. That's the problem. Well, that is the problem. Then, so yes. grab yourself an Arnold Palmer, sit back, relax. Here we go. Hey, Equipping You friends, it's Caitlin here, and I want to tell you about something super special that we have launched here at Equipping You that's just for you, and we think you're really going to love it. If you're an avid Equipping You listener, an Equipping You live attender, or both, you need to join our Facebook group called Equipping You Community. We love that on the podcast and at Equipping You Live, we get to empower you in your ministries. But we believe that for you to really see the true transformation of your leadership that you want, applying what you learn in community is key. So pause this episode right now and head over to facebook.com slash groups slash equipping you community. Or you can go to equippingyou.com and scroll all the way to the bottom and click on equipping you community. We can't wait to see you there. Rock, we really appreciate you uh, joining us uh, today and, and talking to us about this topic. So welcome to Equipping You Podcast. Thank you. It's good to take a brief break from retirement. There you go. Uh, we called you out of the bullpen to come back yeah. and, and uh, pitch another inning. So so we had you on before, and we refer uh, uh, our listeners to that episode on uh, the uh, work and ministry of the Holy Spirit. In, in terms of uh, inner city ministry, go back and l- listen to that and you can get Rock's story. So we won't ask you to tell your story today, but we'd like to ask you about some leaders who have influenced you, especially in this whole area of spiritual integrity and guarding your heart and those kind of things. Who are some leaders who influenced you in this area by their words and their example? Well, primarily one person, my father. Okay. Hmm. I have often said that my best training for ministry came from watching my father live the Christian life. Yeah. Uh, My father only had an eighth grade education, came back from World War II with PTSD. They wanted to assign him to the mental ward permanently Mm. because he really wasn't functional. And uh, he had never even had an encounter with the Word of God or been inside of a church. But he read Matthew's gospel from a Bible placed by the Gideons, got saved and healed in one night. Wow. Became a door-to-door salesman at the Spirit's leading, and it was a very clear leading. Witnessed in every home and led over 3,000 people to Jesus on a one-to-one basis. But Dad lived the book of Acts because... Uh, I like to say he wasn't educated beyond belief. He just took the word at face value. But the key thing dad did was he he followed the leading and moved in the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And so even when I was fighting the Christian faith, I wasn't fighting doctrine so much. <laughs> I was fighting against the vivid example of the reality. Yeah. But Dad, as somebody who prayed for people and they were healed, uh, you know, led people to faith and so on, everything just grew out of his ability to discern the Spirit's leading and move in the Spirit's power. 
And that also led him uh, to a life of total uh, integrity. And I guess that's a contradiction in terms or a redundancy, a redundancy. But I can't remember even one area of my father's life where he would fudge a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, his allegiance to Christ and his adherence to the word was across the board and unshakable. Yeah. And so, uh, despite a number of challenges he faced, my mother dying fairly early, et cetera, et cetera, uh, dad at 92 finished very well. And he taught me about the spirit. He taught me about the reality of God's power. And uh, so, he was he was my primary example. In fact, I, I really can't think of a second, second example uh, from among fellow pastors or leaders Dad just covered all the bases for me. That's a great heritage. Great. That is a great heritage. Thanks yeah. for sharing that. That was, that's beautiful. That's so encouraging. And I'm sitting here as you're talking, I'm like, Lord, may I get to that stage and my kids get to that stage and say, mm. my dad never fudged a bit. Uh, well, well, that's beautiful. Amen. The reason we're having this conversation today is because we've been grieved uh, in recent years and even months to see evangelical leaders fall abuse of power, ethical issues, moral mm-hmm. failure, or some combination of that, even our own Ravi Zacharias, which is just ugh, horrifying for us. What's at the root of the fall of these leaders? And what does it say uh, about the vulnerability that all of us may have? Well, I think when you see a leader fall, it's indicative that somewhere and in some arena of their life, they have given place to the enemy, something the Apostle Paul warns about. Give no place to the enemy. Mm. The, uh, Satan can't just jump on us and in a matter of days lead us into sins we would otherwise never even consider. Yeah. When you see somebody who has been ministering and declaring the Word of God and reading the Word of God and preaching the Word of God and ministering the Word of God— fall into immorality, abuse of power, whatever. To me, that is a clear indication that there is some place where they have left the door open. They've given place. They've given a base of operation to Mm. the enemy. Now, every Christian man and woman can give place to the enemy in areas like morality, greed, fear, pride, all of what I'll call the generic places where you can give place to the enemy, entertain a sin and never really acknowledge it and deal with it. But I think in ministry, when we see pastors and leaders fail, my, my own theory is that uh, it's more often indicative of the fact that they have given place to the enemy either in improper motivation or improper approach. Mm. Improper motivation. People can go into ministry for invalid reasons. Yes. They can go into ministry because they're looking for significance, because they want to prove their spiritual worth, mm-hmm. uh, because they've had family pressure to be in the ministry, because they want to be somebody, because they want human adulation. Uh, because they feel small in the world, but they can feel big in the church. But if you have an improper motivation, 
it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when the enemy is going to take advantage of that and lead it down the path to some horrific conclusion. Mm. The other area, improper approach, if you go about ministry in the strength of your own intellect, your own personality, your education, if you rely on the self, human intellect, human emotion, and human will acting independent of God rather than under submission to the Holy Spirit, you strengthen the flesh in your life. Mm. Years ago, I read a statement by Watchman Nee. He said, the best way to keep the flesh from doing evil is to refuse to allow it to do any good. Mm. Because when you do good in the flesh, the flesh is strengthened by that exercise. And as it becomes stronger, it will invariably and inevitably lead you into sin. It will apply that strength to sin. Mm. So I think we too often have men and women with improper motivation and or improper approach. And if so, even though they're doing ministry, in the doing of the ministry, they are giving place to the enemy. They are growing that foothold. That foothold is getting stronger. The flesh is getting stronger. And then eventually it comes time to pay the piper. It doesn't just happen out of left field. Yeah. It isn't just a sudden change because of one event in their life. I, I, don't, I don't buy that. Yeah. It, it's something that was always there, never dealt with, either because of resistance or ignorance of these spiritual dynamics. But eventually, the enemy taps into it. And he's happy to have you minister incorrectly for 50 years. Yeah. If in year 51, he calls the balance due with interest, mm. and you end up in shame and shaming the ministry. Yeah. So I think while every believer has to avoid giving place to the enemy, in ministry, we really have to be sure that the motivation is appropriate and that the approach is total reliance on the spirit. Because if it isn't, you're strengthening the flesh. The flesh always leads to a sad and tragic conclusion. Very well, insightful. Rock. Very appreciate helpful. that. Wow. So you pastored a prominent church in your city there in Pittsburgh for decades, had a community, had community influence, and yet you kept your testimony intact. Uh, what are some attitudes and practices that God enabled you to keep in place to avoid a lapse in spiritual integrity? Well, the key thing for me is old holiness teaching, mm. uh, which has somewhat gone out of style. And I think that's very unfortunate. Years ago, I read Mabel Francis, former Alliance missionary, yep. about her experience of learning how to die to self, take up her cross, deny self, and be filled with the Spirit. And the Lord spoke to me powerfully through her testimony. It's a, a small book. I think the title was Filled with the Spirit, Then What? Mm. Uh, that set me on the course of studying what it means to take up your cross daily. And people like Tozer, Raven Hill, and others, uh, Watchman Nee, uh, really helped me to flesh that out. Because I think most believers, when they say, take up your cross, they don't have any idea what that means. 
they, they think it means hunker down in time of trial. Well, that's a burden. That's not a cross. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Lord showed me there are definitive steps to cross bearing. Tozer reminded me that if you're on a cross, you know it. You don't need anybody to tell you where you're at. <laughs> and as I studied what it means to bear your cross and began to apply it, I discovered taking up the cross brings a tremendous liberty. Amen. And once you get the taste of that liberty and that freedom, you don't, you don't want to engage in anything that would jeopardize it. It's like if you've got a, a filet mignon dinner in front of you, why do you want a cold bologna sandwich? You don't. <laughs> no, you and, don't. And I, I think for me, once I discovered the filet mignon of denying self, and suppressing the need to have the last word, you know, to win a battle, etc., valuing far more my need to die to self so that Christ might increase. Mm. After a while, that really, for lack of a better term, it just steals the enemy's thunder. Because when some of these temptations come along, I would think, why would I give up all of this? For that. Why? So the key thing for me to keep me on the straight and narrow in ministry has been taking up the cross daily, because without that, I'm not positioned to move in the spirit. And if I'm not positioned to move in the spirit, I'm going to fail. Even if it appears I'm succeeding, (laughs) I'm failing because the flesh profits nothing. So I call it the, uh, the positive aspect of holiness. I think holiness is all positive, mm-hmm. but the positive results, the contentment, the freedom, the ability to minister knowing it's not about you. It, it's about Jesus. And uh, and you don't have to do this in your own strength. That just, for me, uh, has helped me to stay on the path. Whereas if you're trying to go it alone, you're going to fail. Then you're going to try to compensate. Or you're going to try to blame, and now you're giving even more places to the enemy, and pretty pretty soon the thing escalates, and you wake up one day and say, how did I get here? So the cross life, dying to self, holiness, that, that has been the key for me for my 45 years of pastoring. Amen. And I would affirm it is a daily, <laughs> pick yeah. up your cross oh. daily, that's for sure. Yeah, Absolutely. So but you have to know what what that means and that and know that you're doing it. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I, I appreciate so much you say. I think the Lord helped me this year get a fresh view of Galatians two twenty. You know that I no longer live, <laughs> and to embrace that, and then it leads to the fruit you're talking about. You know, it's beautiful. God is so wise. Why do we doubt Him? <laughs> well, I think one of our problems. We're in a technique-oriented culture. Yes. America is all about pragmatism. Let me see Mm -hmm. how it worked. Let me analyze how it worked. Uh, Let me implement how it worked, and then I'll get the same guaranteed results. You know, if you just look for techniques to keep you on the path and to keep you from getting onto the detour, techniques without spiritual power 
it's like putting a weapon in the hand of somebody who doesn't know how to use it yeah. or doesn't have the capacity to use it. We tend to focus on techniques, how to, how to, how to. And, and what God, I believe, wants us to focus on is character. Character is what is missing when people go off the rails. Most people that go off the rails probably read 100 books on how to stay on the rails. Yeah. But, but they didn't because they didn't have the spiritual power to implement that stuff. Yeah. I so think you, somebody once said, if you, if you look to technique and so on, just keep trying this, trying this, trying this. It's like, and you don't have the Holy Spirit's enabling. It's just like changing labels on an empty bottle. The bottle's yeah. still empty, no matter what label you put on it. So do you see leaders as being more vulnerable to some kind of spiritual fall? And if so, what is it about leadership that makes that true? Uh, what do we need to watch out for, particularly as leaders? Yeah, I don't know if we're more vulnerable. I would say our vulnerabilities and failures tend to get more press coverage. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. So, uh, But I do think there are uh, a number of reasons why we're, I don't want to say more vulnerable, because that almost sounds like the Lord can't keep you there. Uh, mm. Let me say I'd prefer term like more, more attacked. Uh, more targeted mm -hmm. uh, that mm -hmm. we are okay. because if you can strike the shepherd, you can scatter the sheep. We all know yeah. when a Christian leader falls, the ripple effect damage is far beyond what we even are able to, to appreciate. It's never limited to that leader alone. So I do think we're more targeted and uh, a couple reasons why I think uh, we're a little more vulnerable, if you will, as you say. I, I think when you're in ministry, there is the temptation to confuse your position with your maturity, mm. to assume too much, to assume that because you can exegete the word and you can preach the word and people recognize your gifting and people follow you, uh, to assume that you're walking in power and in holiness and that's not necessarily the case. We've all known some people who ministered in the flesh finished badly, but they drew big crowds along the way. Yeah. And, and you, can, you can confuse your position with your maturity. I think mm -hmm. that's a unique temptation. I think those in ministry can derive their worth from their success. Mm. You know, nickels and noses. Yeah. What was last week's butt count? Well, then I feel good about myself. <laughs> yeah. uh, the, the problem is when some of them walk out the door, now, now you're feeling really badly about yourself. Mm -hmm. But your perception of yourself should have never hinged on the butt count anyhow mm -hmm. or the offering size or anything else. But it is easy uh, to derive your worth in ministry from numerical success or recognition or things of that nature. And I also think in ministry, there's a great pressure to be something that you may not be in terms of giftedness, in, in terms of your, your spiritual maturity. You know, people expect us to have our act completely together. And if we sense what it is they're expecting of us, but we know when we're alone with ourselves, that we're not there. 
well, then that can quickly lead to shame, and shame leaves you with four uh, flat tires in the ditch alongside of the road. And again, then you can either begin to compensate for the shame or try to work off the shame. I think there are some unique temptations that go with being in spiritual leadership. Uh, but again, they only become vulnerabilities if we aren't dying to self and walking in the spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. So uh, you and Karen have been married almost 49 years, according to our database. And uh, <laughs> wondering how you've kept your marriage strong in the midst of the stresses of ministry and how Karen has helped keep you grounded. Karen got me grounded very early on, Terry. <laughs> okay. I, I was in my first church in the little town of Northeast Pennsylvania, and I wanted to make good as the Lord's servant. So I didn't take a day off. I worked seven days a week. Wow. And one night I come home and there was a note on the kitchen table. Now, Karen was still there and our children, but there was a note. And long story short, she basically said, this isn't a marriage. This this isn't what a marriage should look like. I took that letter. I walked upstairs to our bedroom and I promised her, I thanked her for the challenge and I promised her that I would change it. Mm. And, and, And that week I changed it and began to zealously guard my time with my family and with my wife. And so uh, very early on, before I had a chance to really let it become a stronghold, she ghetto slapped me, (laughs) made it clear that this was not acceptable. Now, she wasn't threatening to leave, right? she was making it clear this was not going to work. (laughs) And and I thank her for that. And I think from that point forward, always bearing in mind that while ministry was my calling and what God wanted me to do, and I loved it, it didn't define me. Mm -hmm. And and I can say that being seven months into retirement, I'm glad that was my approach because uh, I've said to people, I'm going to stop doing full-time something that I have loved passionately, but it, it, it didn't define me. Uh, it didn't define me as a human being. It didn't define me as a child of God. If it had been taken away from me, I still am who I am. And uh, so thus far in retirement, I haven't felt some big void in my soul. And I got to get back and do this and do that because I'm feeling. No, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very content. I think if you're content in who you are, getting back to the marriage then it's easier for you to be satisfied in your relationship with your spouse. Mm -hmm. Amen. If you aren't content with who you are, then you unconsciously and inevitably will expect your mate to fill in the voids and make up for those things you're not happy with. Yes. And they can't do that. No human being can do that for you. And if you're expecting the impossible from your mate and they don't deliver it, then resentment begins to set in, and uh, an a irritable spirit begins to set in. Yeah. And so I think being content with who you are in Christ and uh, recognizing that, as we read so commonly, your first calling is to your wife and your children, your home. Uh, but if you're content with who you are, 
and and keep balance. It's like when, when my son, for example, was a starter in basketball in high school. I asked the elder board, can we change the night we meet so I can go to my son's games? Mm-hmm. And, and they were fine with that. And uh, and I made all those games and all my kids followed the Lord. None of them had pastor's kids horror stories to tell. And I know that's going away a bit from the whole marriage thing, but it is the domestic thing. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I just, you know, Karen, I, I learned early on. If the only way the church was going to th- thrive is if I worked seven days a week, well, then the whole thing was was built on a foundation of sand. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in my last years, as I was older and had a much, much bigger staff, uh, the board said, I ain't take two days a week. Why are you working six days a week? Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't have to convince me. I said, okay. <laughs> and in my last three years, I had two days a week off and nice. thoroughly loved it. And the church did just fine. Nope. Imagine that. Imagine that. Yeah. I don't know who speaks to this, but I know I've heard somebody say that, you know, whenever we have disordered loves, it always leads to conflict in our lives. You know, so mm-hmm. when we love our ministry more than we love God and love our family, then conflict and even temptation is inevitable, right? So I, I yeah. think I appreciate you speaking to that. Uh, and I'm thankful for that you had a wife and the Lord bless me, the wife that was able to keep us grounded because honestly, we need that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, when everybody at church is telling you how wonderful you are, you come home and your wife will tell you reality. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or the flip or your side. Husband, either one, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They'll keep it real for you. You're not yeah, that no. good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, but even if, you know, everything is going wonderful and we have a, a faithful spouse who keeps us grounded in Jesus and in reality, uh, temptation is going to happen. We certainly don't want to invite it. But what are some of the, the pitfalls that pastors put in our own way? And then, so how do we avoid those pitfalls and, and make sure that we have good battle plans against temptation? Well, I I think one key is don't be a lone ranger. Mm -hmm. You know, no congregation wants to hear their pastor stand up every week and regurgitate all of his struggles. You you can do that occasionally, but if you do it all the time, you, you lose all credibility and ability to lead. But you do need some people in your life. It doesn't need to be a whole lot of people. It can be one person that you can be very open and vulnerable with. That certainly can be your spouse in some things. And then if you have a modicum of common sense, (laughs) there are other things that you don't want to share with your spouse. Uh, If you're a man, you don't necessarily want to share with your wife every inappropriate sexual thought you have, because then that just seeds uh, pain in her soul. Mm-hmm. But you do need some people to talk to. And every couple of months in our elder meetings, for example, I would pair up our elders and assign them to have about a 20 minute conversation with one another around these questions. Have you done anything in the last couple of weeks that would be displeasing to the Lord? That was question one. Question two. Were you truthful with me in answering or did you lie to me? Mm. Leaders need some people they can talk to and, and be real with about their struggles, about their fears, about their temptations. 
Uh, it can be an elder, it can be a board member, or it can just be a very godly saint or one or two saints in the church. But uh, in my last years, every staff member had two or three elders assigned to them to have those kind of conversations on a monthly basis and uh, to give them a safe place uh, to talk because Lone Rangers are just, they're easy prey, I think, for the enemy. Mm -hmm. If you're just trying to gut it out all by yourself, living in your own echo chamber, not receiving either the rebuke you need or the grace that you need. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know how you sustain that. So I didn't have tons of folks, but I always had folks I, I could really, really talk to. Another key for me has been loving people. Now, you would think pastors would automatically love people, but I've met a lot of pastors that barely endure people, <laughs> rather than love people. Yeah. And, and, and I've heard veteran pastors talking about how they live guarded lives. You know, if you aren't careful, they'll do this and they'll do that. And you got to protect yourself. And, and I remember hearing a conversation like that when I was a young pastor and I stopped and said, Lord, don't ever let me be that person. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Don't ever let me get there. Yeah. And if you love people and uh, understand that Loving them means loving them through everything that's unlovable about them uh, and helping them to become lovable. If you love people, that removes so many of the enemy's avenues into your heart. Because, you know, how many pastors look for an affair because they're actually feeling like a failure or mm -hmm. they're bitter about the way people have treated them? or this or that or the other. And, and, and the issue isn't sexuality. Sexuality is the, the uh, symptom. The cause is a, a struggle in life and ministry. And if you don't really love people, man, you're gonna struggle. And then you're gonna look for some unhealthy way to solve that struggle. And then you're gonna wake up one day and say, how did I get here? And a third one real quickly, this wasn't so much the case when I started, but it's the case now. Pastors really have to avoid this longing for celebrity. Mm. Uh, the, the whole celebrity pastor phenomenon, I think, the verdict of history is disastrous for the church. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I read a statement years ago, it's impossible to tell people that Jesus is great and you're great in the same sense. Yeah. Somebody has to go. And, and I see so many, especially young men in ministry, they're just constantly putting their face out there. Look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. Well, that's pride. That's insecurity. That, that's, yeah. that grieves the Holy Spirit. That opens the doors to temptation. And, and then you end up in a mess. So, you know, the basic spiritual disciplines, I, I jotted down as I looked at Terry's questions for me that, Holiness always finishes well. Humility always finishes well. Love always finishes well. But if we're moving in something else, mm. we probably won't finish well. Oh, that's quotable. Yeah. We'll be that's sharing that word. one. That's good stuff. So no doubt, Rock, there are some young ministry leaders listening. Give them some sage advice from your experience <laughs> of living in victory over some of the fleshly tendencies that may accompany youthfulness. I mean, that beard I see, I mean, there's sage yeah. advice there. So that's, yeah, right. No, there's just white hair there. Uh, 
Well, I think everything I have said, uh, it, it really is digging out the old wells, the old wells of holiness. Mm-hmm. Of And I'm not talking about, you know, eradication because I've never met a totally eradicated person. Yeah. <laughs> when I when I meet one, I'll believe in it. But, yeah. <laughs> but I but I do believe you know, that there is a dying to self, a cross-bearing, and a spirit-filled living that empowers you, satisfies you with the good things of God so that you aren't so prone to substitute them for the fleeting and, and disappointing things of this world. I mean, people fall into sin, I would say because of some void in their life. I mean, every sin is an attempt to address some felt need or some mm-hmm. perceived void. Mm-hmm. Nobody wakes up in the morning and says, I'm just going to sin for the sake of sinning. Right. It's always an attempt to meet some felt need or fill some void. But if God's meeting those needs and filling those voids, you've got your, you've got your two doses of vaccination. Uh, <laughs> you've got you've got your immunities. Amen. Because Amen. when the devil comes around peddling a cold sandwich and you've been feasting on filet mignon, there's no temptation there. Yeah. So I would say to young pastors and people in leadership, sink your roots deep into holiness, deep into the God himself, deep into the spirit-filled life. And, and develop that satisfaction that will enable you to turn a deaf ear to cheap imitations. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't, then you will grab the cheap imitations. Yeah. You yeah. won't let the void go unaddressed. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, obviously older leaders are all vulnerable to the same kind of things you're talking about here. In with that beard of, of sage wisdom, uh, <laughs> would you have more advice uh, for people who are older in ministry, uh, but to help make sure they, they stay the course and finish well? Well, I, I think you gave the key, stay the course and finish well. Hmm. I, I think if Christian workers retire before they let anybody know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I retired five years ago. I just didn't tell anybody. Right. Uh, if they coast towards the finish line, mm. uh, if they shun major challenges as they know they're getting near the finish line, in that, I think they're giving place to the enemy because they're starting to move in selfishness or maybe wow. fear of failure. I don't want to try that last thing because I've had a pretty good record till now. And if I fail, that'll be the last thing people will remember. Well, there's a whole lot of things wrong with that. Again, it's not about you. It's about yeah. Jesus. Yeah. But uh, I think if you start to coast, mm. I think you really put yourself in danger. You really do. I had to pick uh, an age for retirement. Because I knew to do succession well in a large church was about a two-year process. Uh, Getting our description in order, national search, interviewing, et cetera, et cetera, six-month, nine-month handoff. And it seemed so arbitrary to pick an age and a date because I didn't know how I'd feel. I didn't know my life situation. I didn't know I'd be raising two diabetic grandchildren 
But I just asked the Lord to set a watch on my lips, and he gave me the age 72. And we don't have the time, but that the Lord has confirmed why he gave me that number again and again and again. But the one thing I said to the church was, I want to hit the finish line in full stride. Yeah. And I want to step away when I know I could continue and be effective for more years. I don't want to be that guy you have to pull aside and say, Pastor Rock, it's been nice, but it's time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and God was gracious enough to do that for me because I could have kept going. But uh, my successor, who I think was handpicked by the Lord, wouldn't have been available if I'd retired at 71 or at 73. He was available right in the window that yep. God gave me. Yep. But I stayed fully engaged mm-hmm. right up until the day I stepped off. And I think that's the key. All the other things that we've talked about have sure. to be in place. Yeah. But as you as you get near the end, uh, if you start to coast, then I think you put yourself in a vulnerable position and maybe then have some unfortunate final chapters. Make sure you hit the finish line doing your best work. Amen. Uh, and finish in full stride. Rock, thank you. This is a gift uh, Amen. to we us and to Alliance leaders. We're so grateful. And uh, you've hit the nail on the head today. And we really appreciate the time you've given us. Well, thank you, guys. And uh, I want you to know my wife doesn't buy the sage thing one bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, we probably can't convince her, so we won't no, try. No, can't. <laughs> <laughs> Well, blessings on both of you, and thank you for your leadership. Thank you, Rock. God bless you, friend. Okay, bye-bye. Alan? That was powerful. It was. Uh, Rock just hit the nail on the head and really appreciated him uh, sharing with us. Anything that really stuck out in what he said? Um, Yes, as a matter of fact. I think what stuck out to me is that it's the daily taking up your cross and understanding mm-hmm. what that really means. Uh, that is, it's something so basic to the Christian life, but something we avoid. And I appreciate his warning against trying to use techniques because we don't need techniques. We need to lean into Jesus mm-hmm. and to trust the Holy Spirit's leading on a daily basis. And, um, and I really appreciate his word too about his wife and uh, yeah. how she kept him grounded. Yeah. And early on, uh, she said, this is not the way it's going to be, you know, because she wanted a, a marriage and a family that was uh, going to be pleasing to the Lord, not one that was ended up being neglected because of uh, an overlove of ministry on Rock's part. So share this episode like crazy. Please do. With your elders, with your fellow ministry colleagues, and uh, it you know, listen to it more than once and just sit and soak in it and ask the Holy Spirit to do a new and deeper work in your life. So this is uh, the the end of the two special episodes for summer 2021. Launching on September 15th will be season six of Equipping You podcast. Episode one, we'll have with us Dave Ferguson from uh, exponential. So you won't want to miss that. You probably won't be able to sleep until then. Filled with excitement to for think sure. of the coming season. So uh, thanks for being a part of Equipping You Podcast. We really appreciate our listeners. 
you're the reason we do this. We hope you find it helpful. So uh, look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Meanwhile, keep the faith. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Equipping You podcast. If you liked this episode, please consider subscribing and rating our channel. We hope you will join us for our next episode. For more information on this podcast and other ministries of the Alliance, visit equippingyou.org.